This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello and welcome to Spawn, a common sense, generally fun, and hopefully helpful discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Kristen Chase, and today we're talking about preserving memories in the 21st century with David Vaskovich. He is the CEO of My Leo Photos, and as always, we will close out our show with our cool picks of the week, and we'll be back jumping right into this discussion after this. This episode of Spawn is brought to you by My Leo Photos. With four kids and a bazillion photos, that's a technical term, on various hard drives and gadgets, it's pretty tough to keep up. And the downside is that I don't know what photos I have or videos I have, and I never get to look at them. Don't even ask me to try to find a specific one from a specific holiday or vacation. Forget it. Well, that's where My Leo Photos, a service that helps families organize and preserve photos, videos, and other digital files that matter, comes in. My Leo Photos solves the problem of handling a lifetime of memories in a better way by collecting the digital files that matter to you, allowing you to share them privately, organizing them in easy-to-find ways, and preserving them for your kids, grandkids, and generations to come. And it doesn't matter what platform you use or even how many gadgets you have photos or videos or documents on. My Leo Photos works with them all. Seriously, it's amazing how many things you can do. And get this, you can get My Leo Photos for just $99 a year for the unlimited number of photos, videos, documents on all your devices. But Spawn listeners, you're going to save 20% when you subscribe through myleo.com slash cool. That's M-Y-L-I-O dot com slash cool. That's saving 20% right now off of your subscription to My Leo Photos at myleo, M-Y-L-I-O dot com slash cool. All right, before I start talking to David about this really fascinating topic, let me tell you a little more about him. His career as visionary software architect, business innovator, and author spans more than 35 years. In fact, in 1971, he built one of the first three email systems in the world. After joining Microsoft in 1986, he held various senior executive positions during his 23-year tenure, including chief technical officer. The founder of several software Ventures. David is the CEO of MyLeo Photos and a founder of Gaia Platform. David is also an animal lover and enjoys spending time with his grandchildren. David, welcome to Spawn. Thank you. So I want to blame my smartphone for my terrible digital archiving of all my photo and video memories. But I have to say, I was pretty bad with a digital camera too, so I can't really blame the smartphone completely. I want to know, were you always an organized archivist or record keeper with your photos and videos and documents? Uh, absolutely not. You know, I started taking photos originally when I was a teenager. I kind of became interested in photography. So I bought a Manolo to SRT 101. You can't imagine a more manual camera because in those days there were no computers that you could put into a camera. And I took pictures with that for a while. And in fact, two of my children, when they were in high school, took photography classes and started taking pictures on film with that camera. 
But there were three problems. The first is I would shoot a roll of film and then I had to decide, do I get back prints, slides or negatives? You know, usually I'd pick prints, but I never knew what to do with them. I don't like to throw things away. So I'd get these pictures. Some would be good. Some wouldn't be. And like they'd end up in boxes. And then I could never find one. Like if I wanted to find all the pictures of my daughter or pictures from an event, like good luck. The second problem that I had is I started finding that the camera was getting between me and life, which still is kind of a problem, although it has another side that I didn't think about at the time. And then the third problem was if I ever had a really fantastic picture and wanted to do a big print, in those days, you either had to be in a dark room, which I've never been willing to do, or you had to spend a lot of money and then you never quite knew what you were going to get back. So I stopped. I mean, you know, I didn't completely stop. I had kids and I would take pictures, but, you know, I've been going through all my old pictures and they're there, but there are way fewer of them. The thing that got me started again was in 1996, computers, they'd gotten really fast, but this was before there were handheld computers called phones or tablets. And the question was, why would anybody buy a high-end computer? You know, one answer could be programming, but there aren't enough programmers in the world. Another answer could be gaming, because gamers certainly will you know, buy the highest end computers, but there aren't enough of them. And then it came to me, digital photography. Mm. Now, the problem I had all through the 90s before the iPhone was introduced is I would say digital photography and people would turn off their ears. So it didn't matter what I said after that, because everybody knew that digital was computers. You know, you use them occasionally, not like today. And photography was taking pictures 24 or 36 at a time because that's what a roll of film is. Mm -hmm. But I was really convinced that eventually everybody would take all of their pictures digitally and that people would have 10 times as many pictures as they used to have and they'd be able to have all their pictures with them all the time and they'd be able to go back and relive old memories and they'd be able to find pictures of the events and the kids and they'd be able to do it wherever they were. So that's what got me really back into photography. That's so fascinating. And actually, you were right. Here we are today as I look at my photo gallery on my phone and I challenge some of our listeners and followers on social media to look right at that very moment, no cheating, no taking off numbers, and look how many photos and videos were just on their phone gallery. You know, and a reminder to everyone who knows, right, photos and videos and documents and scans live everywhere in our lives. Right now, I think I have about 5,000, and that doesn't even count where I have them all separated. So certainly, your belief that this was going to happen absolutely came true, and here we are. So let's talk a little bit more about smartphones, right? Because I think many people felt like it was going to make life easier, like me, because I wasn't someone who carried around a digital camera. I did not have a lot of photos of my children or videos. And so when I got the smartphone, I was super excited because I was like, oh, it's a camera. It's right in my hand. I'm going to be able to capture a lot more memories. But I have to be honest, I think it might have made things a little more complicated because now I have photos and videos and my old family scans and documents and all sorts of things mixed in with like screenshots and all sorts of other random things. It is a mess. What was your experience like when the smartphone came around? Was it similar or were you able to sort of separate things out? Well, things were already bad before digital photography. You know, my mother had lots of albums. Nobody ever knew what was in the albums, but worse, she had boxes with prints, 
and slides and negatives. And God help you if you ever wanted to find one. Right, right. More importantly, who were the people in those pictures? What was going on? When were they taken? Nobody knew. So that was a problem even before digital came on the scene. Now, here's an apocryphal story. I went to Montana the year of the eclipse. I was with a friend and I had my digital cameras and she had a phone. That's all she had. She had an iPhone. I took about 5,000 pictures. I take a lot of pictures. She took 6,000 pictures. Oh my gosh. On her phone because it's so easy to do. Yes. Her kids were getting on and off the horse. There were pictures of the eclipse itself. In the old days, like before digital, the average person took 5,000 pictures in a lifetime. Mm -hmm. Now, if you have a box with 5,000 pictures, you're going to spend a lot of time organizing them if you don't give up, which is what you'll probably do. <laughs> True so that. I have a call with a travel blogger, and he used to use a camera, and he stopped a few years ago, and he now only takes pictures with phones. He has a million pictures that he's taken with his <gasps> phone. Oh, my goodness. His expression, I'm drowning in photos. Right. It's created a problem, but it's also created an opportunity because the iPhone came out in 2010, and before that, pretty much all the pictures taken in the world would have been slides, prints, and negatives. That means unless they were born in like 2005 or something like that, which is not you, it's not me, it's probably not most of the listeners, a large fraction of their pictures are probably pre-digital, particularly if you include the pictures that they collected from parents and friends. I have a friend and he and his wife had collected boxes and albums with 50,000 pictures. Now, let me put the 50,000 pictures in perspective. My mother died about two years ago, and in the late 90s, I started a project to scan all of her old pictures. One day, I carried home a pile of six albums. You can imagine, and it's like from the middle of my stomach to kind of my chin. That's how big the pile was. Every one of the pages in one of those albums has five or six or seven four by six prints on both sides of the page, and there's a lot of those pages. That's 14,000 pictures. This friend of mine, They'd collected all these pictures. They had 50,000. And when I tell you how much was in those four albums, you realize 50,000 is a lot, but it's not an enormous amount. There are a lot of people who have more of those pictures. So he decided, okay, I'm going to have them scanned. But he wasn't willing to send them away. There's a lot of places where you send the pictures and they scan them. The problem is, what happens if the pictures get lost in transit? Well, there's a lot of things that can go wrong with the actual photos. <laughs> My mother literally ran into a burning house to rescue photos because when they're gone, they're gone. So he drove the photos to the place where they were going to be scanned, a local place. And a little while later, he gets back a disc and he has this uncomfortable realization. The disc is less useful to his wife than the albums were. Mm -hmm. What's she going to do with the disc that has 50,000 pictures on it? You know, <laughs> organize it into folders and, and you know. Right. So right. he thinks, okay, I'm going to put the pictures into Google Photos. Well, putting 50,000 pictures into Google Photos takes a long time. It does take a long time. So he stopped at about 5,000. He decided, okay, I want to see what Google Photos is going to do. Because he's already had this experience once. He did the scanning and he thought he was done and he was worse off, not better off. Mm -hmm. Turns out Google Photos has no facilities for dealing with old pictures. It's going to tell you the date when the photos were scanned. Oh. It's going to tell you the place when the photos were scanned. Right. So then he decides, OK, I'm going to try Apple Photos. Same thing. Mm -hmm. I don't care that they were scanned in 2022 and that they were scanned at a place a mile from my house. I don't think anybody does. <laughs> I want to know when and where they were taken. Right, right. Uh, can you talk a little bit more 
more about what people are doing with their photos now and talk a little bit about social media, right? Because we've talked about the older photo scans than maybe older videos and negatives and all of those things. But there are a lot of people right now who are struggling just with the digital files and more specifically because they're on social media. There's so many issues with that, right? With privacy and trying to find them like on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all those places. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. So if you're somebody who thought, okay, I've taken pictures. Every time I take pictures, I'm just going to put them in Facebook. Facebook will take care of them for me. A lot of people used to think that, right? Absolutely. The first thing that Facebook does with your pictures is it down reses them. When my mother turned 90, I made a book for her. It was like a multi-month project. If my pictures were in Facebook, I couldn't have put a single one of them into the book. Because when you try to make a book, you need full resolution pictures. It's one of the few times where you need an original. If you don't, it'll look so bad in the book that the people who make the books actually won't accept those pictures because they know they're going to look so bad they're going to give refunds. I think putting pictures into Instagram or Facebook is a really wonderful way of sharing and keeping up with friends. And, you know, I, every so often I'll discover something new about a friend because I saw a picture in Facebook. So nothing that I'm saying is a negative comment on any of these social media, but it is a disaster for you personally and emotionally if it's the main place you store your photos. Because the first thing that's going to happen is they're going to take your photos and down res them. They're going to make them become photos that you can never make a wall-sized print out of. You can never make a greeting card out of you can't put them into a book because they down res them second thing that's going to happen is i worry about privacy so i'm willing to put some pictures into instagram or facebook or share them over google but not all my pictures and i worry about privacy in two different ways i worry about people getting at my pictures but i also worry about what they're going to do with my pictures right okay here's a creepy thing let's say that i'm selling stuff and i want to know everything about you and i can have one source of data if i could only have one thing i would pick your photographs. If I can have all your photographs, access to them, mm -hmm. I'm going to know what you look like, what color your hair is, how many kids you have, what you eat, where you travel, what kind of car you have, who your friends are. There's very little about you that I'm not going to know if you're the average person and I have all your pictures. So use social media to your heart's content, but have somewhere else as the main place you keep and organize your pictures. Now, here's a last little note that's a really serious note to think about. I had another friend who had all of her pictures in the service that got bought by another company. And when they got bought by another company, all the pictures were transferred. And somehow in the process, even though they swore this couldn't happen, she lost 4,000 pictures. I heard a lot about that. She was not the only one. Exactly. Now, the last thing about social media is if you're drowning in photos, social media is going to make it worse, not better. There's no organizational facilities in there. Well, let me ask you a little bit more about preserving memories versus his photo organization because people see an app, they see photo, right? They think, oh, it's just photo organization. It's going to be a lot of work. But really, this work that you're doing is about preserving memories. I mean, yes, you're going to get organized, but it's more than that. And when I was speaking with some of your colleagues, I realized that there were really cool ways that you could create albums by year with your kid's name and then take photos of that artwork or take photos of the certificates and put together these really cool files, if you will, 
or spaces where you can look back year over year or even month over month, you know, because you can do as many albums as you want and creatively pull together more than just photos. So can you talk more about how you see it as preserving memories? Now, it's not just preserving. If you preserve them and they're not useful to you, okay, that's better than not preserving them. But first of all, I want to address your comment about the amount of work it is. A lot of the organization we do for you completely automatically. For example, Mylio has very good face recognition. So I can show you a picture of my mother from 1934 and Mylio picked her out. There were 40 people in the picture. I have 17,000 pictures with my mother in them. I didn't go through and one by one tag 17,000 pictures. I would never have found most of them. Right. Phew. So when I made that <laughs> book for my mother, I went into people view and said, okay, show me all the pictures with my mother. And there they were. I decided to show them in chronological order. And I started going through them and I created a new album called Shula's Book. I could not have done that if I didn't have Mylio's face recognition. Right. Okay, another thing that Mylio will do, we're talking about pictures taken with the phone, for example, they're all geotagged. So if I went to London with my daughter and we did something in particular, I can find all the pictures taken in London. Amazing. Okay, now here's a really interesting one. I'd like to find, maybe it's a special event and I'm trying to remember something, I'd like to find a picture of me and my daughter in London. And I'd prefer that it be just me and my daughter, not a group picture. I can put that in as a search very easily, and it takes about less than a second. Sometimes the searches take two seconds, like 1,000, 2,000, and there they are. Mm -hmm. It's kind of exciting when you're looking at our map, which is a map of the world. You can zoom in and out, and then you put in the search criteria, show me all the places I've been with Rachel. And it just comes back right away and shows me all those places. That's without me doing any work. Pictures is one thing, but here's another one documents. Mylio is all your memories. It's all your photos. It's your kids' report cards, itineraries for trips, but it's also all the little things you have to keep track of every day. Like I just got information about a package that's coming. Let's take a picture of that, or maybe I got it an email. Send it to Mylio. It's all there in one place. Now, here's the cool thing. Mylio can read the text in your pictures. Now, the reason that's not creepy is because they're your pictures on your phone, your pictures on your iPad, your pictures on your computer. Computer. If you put them in the cloud, they're still your pictures. But if you don't put them in the cloud, it's reading for you. Like, what was the name of that restaurant? Okay, show me a picture of my kids at the restaurant we went to. Milio does a search and wait a minute, it found the name of the restaurant because it was on a sign or it found the report card or it found the information about the rehearsal that's coming up at the school. That's amazing. So there are so many super helpful features of Milio photos, but let's talk specifically about one that you are a huge fan of the life calendar. So one of the central parts of Milio, if we were doing a demo, I'd start there, is what we call a life calendar. It's a calendar of your life. It's not a calendar of your dentist appointments. It's not a calendar of your airplane flights or your kids' play dates. It's not even a calendar that this interview would be on. But here's the thing about the life calendar. It has a month view that shows days, and it has a year view that shows months. It has a decades view that shows years. Now, why would we have a decades view? Like, I'm sure you don't have a calendar that has a decades view. 
Because when I demo the life calendar, which is, you know, pictures and events, I start scrolling back and people start to get really puzzled. Like, David's not as old as this makes it seem because it goes back to when my mother was born. I mean, that's that's amazing. Now, even if you have a million pictures, they're all going to be in all your devices. They're going to be on your phone or two phones if you have two phones or in your family, everybody's phone, your tablet, all the pictures. They're going to be on all your computers and the computers and phones and so on all talk to each other. So you don't have to put pictures in the cloud. So if I go to 1952, I have a picture of me as a baby. I often ask people, like, do you have a picture of yourself as a baby? Oh, do I? Yeah, absolutely. Not a digital photo. I have actual photos, but I haven't scanned them yet. So where is it? Do you know? Yeah, I'm in my closet and I'm looking at the photo box right now. Okay, so you're ahead of most people. Most people will tell me I have a photo and I kind of know where it is. I don't know how quickly I could find it. And then there's the people who tell me, like my friend, when he first had the disc, I even had it scanned, but I'm not sure I could find it on the disc. In my case, it's with me all the time, whether I'm in your closet it or my study or on an airplane. It's just with me all the time. So that's the life calendar. It's a picture of my life. I love it because we may have all these photos stored or these videos or these documents stored all over the place. But to actually be able to have them, to have access to them, to be able to find them when we need them is a whole other story. You know, there's this increasingly popular concept of a second brain. Like you've got your first brain and it's overloaded. Imagine if you could have a second brain on your phone, on your tablet, on your computer that helps out your first brain. Like, where are the tickets to the theater? Oh, they're in my second brain. What time is the plane takeoff? It's in my second brain. You know, that report card, there was something the teacher said. It's in my second brain. So Milio's like a second brain. Mm -hmm. You know, the thing about memories, I don't know about you, but I have all these memories. Some of them are very emotional, and I sometimes wonder if they're real. My father died in a plane crash when I was 13. Hmm. Now, my first memory of me and my father is him and me sitting on a beach north of Toronto. Maybe we did, maybe we didn't. Well, one day I was on a plane going through old pictures. So it's my second brain's helping my first brain. And I came across the picture of the memory. Five-year-old David sitting beside his father on the beach. It was the picture of the memory. That's my second heart. Mm -hmm. You only get to live life once. And the moment is the most important. But the memories are really important, too. That's such a powerful statement. And I know that our listeners and parents out there can relate to that. And what's exciting is our listeners can try MyLeo Photos. It's available to them. In fact, we do have a special offer for our Spawned listeners. And it's already very affordable for everything that you're able to do with MyLeo Photos. And I imagine that there are going to be many, many second hearts discovered this holiday season and beyond as we start the new year and one of think about all of the memories that we have and the new ones that we're making. Well, it's time for Cool Picks of the Week! Cool Picks of the Week! And David, you are my guest, so that means you get to go first. What are you enjoying either these days or maybe over longer periods of time? Oh, yeah. So I try to work out every day. That's like organizing pictures. It sounds tedious. But I happen to live on a house on a lake. And when I bought the house, I was going to get a guy that I know who makes boats to make me a kayak. And he said, David, I don't make kayaks, but I could make you a rowing skull. So I had to teach myself how to row. So I so fell in love with rowing. And rowing on the lake is nothing like rowing on a rowing machine. They're completely different things. Two years ago, I bought a dry suit 
so that I can even row in the winter because I was missing it. And the most cool thing is to wake up in the morning, look out, the lake is calm. I put on my dry suit. I get out there in the winter, the lake is empty. There's often flocks of 50 or 100 wood ducks. Everything is beautiful. And I'm working out my whole body, my arms, my legs, my back, my stomach. It's meditative. So if you can picture me out there on the lake rowing, I don't know what to say. It's uh... <laughs> It sounds invigorating and calming at the same time. Yeah. It's wonderful that you're able to do that all year long. I imagine we're going to have a lot of people who are super jealous. So I'm going a different direction with my cool pick of the week. Actually, it's an article that was written by a friend of mine, another fellow content creator and podcaster, Megan Francis. She did a lovely post recently. It's called Six Ways to Support Podcasters and Other Content Creators. And we've talked a lot about this on Spawn. You hear oftentimes at the end of podcasts, at the end of videos, you know, people asking to leave a review or like or comment. But what folks don't realize is that those small gestures, many of which are completely free, actually help support your favorite content creators. For instance, if you know an author, leave them a review on Amazon or Goodreads, leave them a podcast review wherever you listen, shopping through their affiliate links, supporting their partners, liking and sharing and commenting. All of those small actions can really make a huge impact. And it's a really wonderfully written article. I encourage people, we'll link it up along with everything else that we spoke about today over on our podcast page on Cool Mom Picks. She also talks about how you can even donate or purchase a subscription. So many people are using Substack. There's often ways that you can leave virtual tips or Venmos. And those small gestures go a long, long way for podcasters and other content creators. You can go to Megan, it's M-E-A-G-A-N Francis, F-R-A-N-C-I-S dot com to learn more. You've probably heard it before, but I just love the way that she presented it. So anyway, supporting content creators, that's my cool pick of the week. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Spawned. Huge thanks to our awesome engineer, John Bowen, and our sponsor, Mylio Photos, and our guest CEO of Mylio Photos, David Vaskovich. If you've got a moment and can leave us a five-star review, remember my cool pick of the week, people. We would greatly appreciate your time by doing all of that. When you subscribe, you download our episodes, you send an episode to a friend, you get the idea. It helps other listeners like you find us. You can also find us on Facebook, Spawned Podcast Community, Recipe Rescue, OutTech Your Kids. We chat about the show, we chat about food, we chat about technology, anything else you want to talk about, we're there. Thank you so much for listening to Spawned. This is Kristen. Have a great day. Bye.